0: episode 5 of season 2 of the sample study. I'm very glad that you're here for this session. The date is Thursday, December 21st, 2017 and I am your host Tumelo, standing at attention in front of my music production software. I'm very sick. No, I'm not very sick. I'm a little sick and I might sound weird and I'm sorry for that and I'm sorry for this episode going up late on Thursday but it's definitely going to go up on Thursday, December 21st, 2017 here at the sample study, I take just one sampled song per episode, take the song it is sampled in, recreate the beat by hand, and analyze how the producer who sampled it got from having a record in their hand to having the sample on a record of their own. Today I'm taking a listener request from Prof, a fellow producer who wanted to know how Jay Dilla made the beat for Commons So Far to Go. I decided instead to look at Jay Dilla's Buy, the original appearance of the beat on Jay Dilla's album Donuts which digs more into the sampling and doesn't put weird drums over it. And just to remind everyone, SampleStudyCast at gmail.com is where you send those great requests and questions to be answered on the show. Haven't got, I've only gotten one question in the history of the show. You know, if, you, if, you, if any of this stuff stops you and you're just like, what? wait, what does he mean by this? That's You could send that in. I'll definitely go back to whatever it was and answer it. The Isley Brothers are one of my favorite soul groups, up there with Earth, Wind & Fire, Al Green, Curtis Mayfield, and Marvin Gaye. I was saying Isley for about a minute, but then I realized it might be Isley. I don't say it out loud that much, so I've re-recorded. The group started out as a vocal trio of brothers, O'Kelly, Rudolph, and Ronald Isley, from Cincinnati, Ohio. They started out performing gospel with their brother Vernon until he passed away a few years after the group was formed. After this, they brought in younger brothers Ernie and Marvin Isley, both multi-instrumentalists, to fill out the instrumental side of the group, and Rudolph's brother-in-law, Chris Jasper, for the keyboard and synth sounds that gave them a really unique feel. With four top 10 singles on Billboard and 16 albums that charted in the top 40, the Isley brothers are considered to have had one of the longest and most rewarding careers in popular music. You could bet they've been sampled before. Ice Cube made use of their song, Footsteps in the Dark, for the beat of his famous Today Was a Good Day. Between the Sheets, a synthese sultry soul classic was made into one of the biggest rap songs of all time, with its use in the notorious B.I.G.'s Big Papa. The Aizer Brothers were also one of the many, many groups that became a part of Beastie Boy's Paul's Boutique. A guitar riff from Who's That Lady was used within the B-Boy Booyah Bass, I don't know how to say that word, sampling medley at the end of the album. But today we're talking about Don't Say Goodnight, It's Time for Love, Parts 1 and 2, which is a really long title we will never say again, and from now on we will just refer to the song as Don't Say Goodnight. This is a single for their 1980 album Go All The Way that was originally released on a two-sided 7-inch single, instrumental on one side and vocal mix on the other. It's a deep, romantic, spacey-sounding soul track. Don't Say Goodnight features Marvin Isley on bass, Ernie Isley on guitar, drums, and percussion, Chris Jasper on keyboard, drums, and percussion, O'Kelly Isley, Ronald Isley, and Rudolph Isley on vocals. Producer O'Kelly and Ronald and Rudolph. The record label was T Neck. It's really unique for a song like this to also have an instrumental version. I think that's a really cool way to release a single, and also it's great for sampling. It's great because it gives you a lot more versatility and allows you to switch between the instrumental and vocal version on the fly, which is very much what Dilla has done for this uh, beat we're going to study in this episode. We have talked about a Jay Dilla beat before on the show, when we studied Farside's runnin'. It's a pretty famous one, but I don't think we ever talked about Dilla himself extensively on that episode, besides discussing his skill with the reverence it deserves. Now. I feel like I can properly dig in on the history of this famous crate-digger and producer. Jay Dilla, also known throughout his career as JD and just Dilla, came to prominence as one-third of the Detroit, Michigan-based group Slum Village at that time he was JD, and immediately became a producer of high demand in the music industry. He went on to work with A Tribe Called Quest, De La Soul, Busta Rhymes, Erika Badu, The Roots, The Far Side, and Common, among many others, while continuing with Slum Village and solo releases. Just as Hendrix is known for his skill with the guitar, Dilla is known to be a master of the MPC, the 16-pad, 4-bank, all-in-one beat machine product line by Japanese company Akai. Dilla was a multi-instrumentalist, skilled on keyboards, bass guitar, drums, cello, and guitar, and an MC, often contributing verses to his own productions. He is probably the most legendary user of the MPC beat machine and to this day there are plenty of YouTube explainer videos talking about how he was able to inject more life into his hip-hop musical compositions with the particular way that he played the MPC. Not only did Dilla push forward the technical and creative possibilities of hip-hop production, he was forward-thinking on the business tip as well. Throughout his career, it's said that Dilla would make a beat for anyone as long as they paid, not limiting his talents to elite artists and acting as a freelancer who kind of did what he wanted. In the same spirit, as early as 2003, Dilla is quoted as saying that if he had a choice, he would have stayed indie and never signed to a record label because he felt that he didn't have the same control over his music and still felt like an unsigned artist except for these added restrictions. Many artists today are going the indie path and keeping ownership of everything they make, distributing their music on their own as the record labels struggled to take even a fraction of their former big piece of the pie. Now, Jay Dilla's most groundbreaking work was his last, the 31-track instrumental album Donuts, released three days before his death at age 32. Donuts is a work of art unlike any previous instrumental hip-hop album, and nothing as interconnected, as well-blended, and achingly expressive has been created in the format since. Dilla was able to take fairly run-of-the-mill samples and change them into something unrecognizable and much cooler than their original form. Donuts has only grown in importance and popularity over time, with artists from multiple genres claiming it as an inspiration for their sound, and not just from hip-hop. Today I'm going to study how the Isley Brothers' Don't Say Goodnight, the instrumental version, was alone used to create one of the best tracks on Donuts, the heartbreaking Bye. On Dilla's thirty-second birthday, February seventh, two thousand six, and produced entirely by him, no one else lay a finger on it. Okay, so now we're entering the part of the show called the lab. Uh, there may be some new listeners this time around because my tweet about remaking this J. Dilla beat got quite a li- quite a bit of traction. So, in this part of the show, what I actually do is take the sample I've been talking about, and I listen to the beat that sampled it, and I basically remake it on my own knowledge of what I think the producer did and try to get it as close as possible. And I'm surprised that in the 15 shows that I've uh, done so far, I have not had one time where the beat sounded so far off that I would call it like a failure. Uh, I've been taking on some pretty legendary beats and coming away with some good results. I'm really surprised. Well, I started off feeling pretty fresh editing the Isley Brothers sample into the mold of Jay Dilla's buy. Yeah, really, really feeling myself. But then the legendary producer was able to throw me with some very experimental adventures and timing, and it became much more of an undertaking than I expected. But that's neither here nor there. That's in my my, uh, digital audio workstation program that is a mess. Uh, So I'm not sure if I'll even be able to explain how this beat was made and how I remade it, but I'm just going to take it one segment at a time, and we're going to try. The most helpful thing you can know going into this as a layperson who doesn't make beats, or even as someone who does make beats, is that most beats are constructed by either taking a beats per minute tempo and stuffing a sample into it, or taking a sample and deciding what beats per minute it belongs in, and building the song around that. So you can either make the sample conform to you, or you can conform to the sample. Those are your two choices. Jay Dilla, however, is a producer who doesn't really care to fit a sample into a steady BPM all the time, and he also doesn't care to keep to a steady BPM himself, so he rejects both paths, and uh, with this particular beat, he goes three different speeds, and his main goal is to make the music feel good and right. He doesn't care if it goes off beat. he doesn't care if the tempo changes are weird, as long as it sounds good, as long as it feels good. This sometimes involves using tempos that aren't the most tidy. In my opinion, this element of the song Bye is what makes it better than its use in Common's So Far To Go, because in that song they just took the tidiest part of by and they looped it and they put weird drums on it. So I constructed this beat with two versions of the song, the vocal and instrumental version, as Dilla himself did, making use of both sides of the 7-inch single. The main groove of the beat is at 90 beats per minute. The sample is played at a pitch raised by 151 cents, that's one semitone and $0.51 cents higher than the original pitch and I give these exact numbers just in case anyone is following along in their own sampler. We're going to start with the intro of this De La Son, which is easy enough. He took a segment from the song that starts at $1.35 and pretty much just played it back at first, chopping some bits out for dramatic effect. That's before he starts chopping a lot more. So let's listen to the first three seconds of Bye. Okay, so I want to note we hear some more synth notes come in right here. So that's from a different part of the song and layered over the main sample with an echo on it. They're from five minutes into the song, so they're way back. This is when we begin to see that Diller really scoured this track for anything and everything he could make use of to make this beat more flavorful. This is something that's really good to do uh, if you have a core loop that you're not entirely satisfied with and you want to spice it up a little bit is to go around and just like what every every second of this song, is there anything I could use here? Is there anything I could use here and gather it up and this beat is going to be a great example of that. So I got those notes. I'll add them over the sample, and add a slight delay effect to them, so they sound like this. Now, in the next few seconds of "Bye," we have two things happen. First, we have some echoey vocals from the vocal version of the song coming in. Secondly, while that is happening, and Dilla has us distracted by that, The beat is speeding up to a much faster pace. The vocals are from 501 in the vocal mix of the song. Here they are. So I'm going to add those and put a little echo on them again. So now we have the core beat and we have these two like echoey elements that he adds in. And now let's listen to how have chopped the part of the song to match Dilla's speeding up of the track with and without the vocals over top. Here's with so the speeding up is obscured. And here's without. It starts up almost like a motor slowly kickstarting. It seems to get faster with every single beat. And it's not till right here that we get into a steady beat. So this is going to be our main groove. Um, and let me show you how I chopped this up. This is something Dilla was doing for a lot of his career, but I only really noticed it finally because it was happening all through donuts, and I decided to start doing it myself back in like 2007. So when you have a gorgeous soul sample like this, with a lot of swing or with a three-four time signature, something you can listen to and say one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. What you can do is once you find the sweet spot tempo or speed to play the sample back, just take the big beat hits. Like, for example, this. I'll take the kick out, and then the next snare out, and then the next kick, and so on. So I just have a collection of like the strong beats from the song that it kind of anchors itself around. And when I have all these pieces, and when I put them together at 90 beats per minute... Voila. You have a sample chop with some real energy to it, and this chop is the core of the song. You go from a one, two, three, one, two, three, leisurely, to more like a one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two, and it pumps in a hip hop way. So we just cruise along like this, chopping up the major beats of this song until a new element is introduced at 28 seconds in. More vocals. Sounds like I Feel You. That's from 135 in the vocal mix of Don't Say Goodnight. I
1: wanna feel you.
0: I wanna feel you. But we chop it up to be. I feel you. And then we insert that into the beat.
1: I feel you. I feel you.
0: It just becomes part of the same groove we've already established. And then we go on like that until. Whoa! What was that? That was surprising. Well that's from 154 in the vocal mix right here. Again, Dilla digging really deep for these sounds to switch the beat up. Alright, so we got that in there. Guess what we're going to do next. Suddenly and briefly, at 50 seconds in, Dilla brings back the regular slow speed of the sample, just like we started with in the intro. This is 50 seconds into a minute-and-a-half long song, and we've already had so many change-ups and new elements in such a short period of time. This is why Donuts as a whole is so exciting. Every track is like this. It's about these little moments where something unexpected is added in. So we stick with the slower tempo for a brief time, and then go right back into the groove. Same vocal samples being interspersed again, except for one new one, right here, at 104. I I think this might be a little playful cheekiness on Dilla's part, cutting off the F sound at the end like that. This bit is from 139 in the vocal mix. And it just gets laid right into the beat. So right after that we bring back the don't ever echoing vocals from the intro over the beat, and again, Dilla is using this to disguise a very strange and unexpected choice, starting the groove of the beat over suddenly. Let's listen to this part in by the original track. (laughs) And now listen to my version where I've chopped up and isolated the sample. The groove we've been accustomed to just starts over. There. In the middle of that echoey part. Then we continue as normal for two more measures and hit the slowed down intro part one more time. And then we slowly ramp back up into normal speed just as the song comes to an abrupt ending. Dilla finished the album Donuts in the hospital, knowing he was going to pass away from complications from lupus. I often think about that when I listen to it, how we're hearing an artist make their last shot, sum up everything, and also say a farewell. I'm not trying to say that I think Dilla did a desperate last shot at making an album. I think he did marvelously. The fact that the song called Bye ends so abruptly is sad. But the entirety of Donuts, the album, actually loops into itself. The last track is called the intro, and segues perfectly into the first track, so if you just keep listening, the album never ends. I don't think there is a more appropriate way to leave the last mark of a legacy than to make an album that loops perfectly forever. That concludes our time in the lab and this session of the sample study. If you have questions or requests, again, you could send them on over to samplestudycast at gmail.com with the subject line questions or requests. You can follow the show on Twitter at samplestudycast, and you can follow me at mellow without the W makes. Mellow makes. I really appreciate iTunes reviews. If you have the time to leave one, it really helps the shows get out there or just tell your friends. If you would like to support the show financially, my Patreon is slash two mellow. That's the number two in mellow without a W. And you can make a one-time donation at paypal.me slash 2 We reached the goal of 350 per month overall on the Patreon. So Patreons, Patrons, will now hear the sample study a week before everyone else, if not more. You will also get to hear my music early if you're a patron. And if you pledge at a particular level, which I think is $8, you get all my releases for free when they come out. Or before. Whatever. Recently, I released an album of my own instrumental and sampling work called After Midnight Unaired Broadcasts. It's the drafts and left out songs from Midnight Broadcast Volume 1 and 2, but so far people have been very pleased with them and say that it feels just as significant as a main entry in the series. You can get all those Midnight Broadcast albums at 2mellowmakes.bandcamp.com. You can purchase Jay Dilla's Donuts album anywhere, and I highly suggest you do to get that crash course on some of the greatest sampling that has ever been done. And you can get the Isley Brothers go all the way anywhere, too. Thanks to the Isley Brothers, Jay Dilla, and most importantly, you, for joining me on this session of the sample study. Keep digging. You'll find it.